Dribble, dribble, dribble right in front of the Celtics bench. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Dribble, 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 dribble. And you just said, yeah, um, this offense just sucks. They do. They flat out suck. <laughs> I mean, basic Brad, what do you expect? Yeah. This does kind of feel like a broken team. They're, they're mm. definitely hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, offensively, it just, it's, it's just ugly. He's but better now, without talent. He's a mid-major coach. We know right. this. Okay, welcome everyone inside here. This is episode four of the ATO show. We've got a full house here tonight. Matt Ignall, Sam Sheehan, Zaire, Lucky's Pipe, my brother Jonathan, who got all the good genes. Um, that's oh, oh, and of course, our producer, Efren Ramos, is here. We're going to do one of our old standbys, the rapid-fire Q&A. Um, so uh, keep it in spirit with the rapid-fire Q&A. We're just going to get started right now. Gentlemen, I pose the question to you. What has been the most encouraging thing about the Celtics so far? Defense. What are they? What are they rated now? Uh, second, but identical defensive rating to where they finished last year. Right now, most encouraging thing. Shout it out. The player Marcus Morris, man. I love Ooh. this guy. He's just fun to watch. <laughs> when the shot isn't falling, he just fights his way to the basket. You know, everybody's talking about the Celtics don't have no grit. Well, he is the grit, Marcus Morris. Yeah. Marcus Morris, the grit and the lube. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's Kyrie. I mean, as ugly as it's been, at least ever since he lost the headband and cut the hair, he's been awesome. And even in like the bad games, Kyrie does stuff that makes me keep watching. So that's it for me. All right. So what what has been the Celtics' biggest problem so far? Zaire, you're itching. I think the biggest problem is that one of the biggest problems, but the biggest one I can think of now is that Gordon Hayward is turning to Kelly Olenek. Like, like that's what's happened. You know, and, and actually, I'm cool with Gordon Hayward being Kelly Olenek off the bench, not in my starting lineup. So, you know, I know he makes a lot of money, but if the best he can do is be the best reserve you have, then that's what he's got to be. But he has turned into Kelly Olenek with a worse shooting percentage, by the way. Honestly, honestly, I'm quite OK if Gordon Hayward at this point becomes Kelly Olenek. At least the bounce was real with Kelly. <laughs> I, I think that the, the frustrating thing uh, about the season is that the, the, the defensive effort is not always there. You know, the Celtics will have these, like, the defense overall is very good, but when the Celtics start scoring points, they stop playing defense. Um, the, the second that they get on these big runs, they immediately let teams back into the game. Um, but I think it's because they feel comfortable or something. So that was so nice about that Pelicans game to finally see them lock in and actually play defense for most of a full 48 minutes. Not quite the second half, but at least the first half. For me, for me, it's Jalen Brown. Although I weigh his production in the playoffs heavier than like 20 games, but uh, he's been a disaster. He has no feel for what his role is on this team, and it's just really tough watching him struggle. He'll have one out of every five games, maybe have close to 20 is, points. Is anyone, is anyone worried about him, like actually, or you, or you think that it's just a slump? I, I, I've said it before in, in past seasons that he he's he's like a Jeff Green to me, and I'm gonna say this even though nobody wants to hear it. That comparison came based off of results and off of athleticism. And if you look right now, actually at this point in his career, Jeff Green was more productive than Jalen Brown is right now. And Jeff Green's production fell off after the heart illness. Understand what I'm saying? So what if the heart had never happened? So so no one wants to no one wants to hear it. 
And and once again, it doesn't mean because Jeff Green wasn't the worst player in the world. We just don't like to say we don't like to celebrate him around these parts. For for me, it's like I I would probably put Jalen Brown as the the one the one encouraging thing for the season because he reminds us of the human condition, which is what we we meet we meet an impasse and we have to overcome that and we become better from learning that. So like last year, his thing was like oh free throws not going great. So then he meditated. Then he overcame that. Maybe he he, <laughs> he, did. he became a new thing, and he, it's it's called metamorphosis. Wait, wait, wait. It's progressing as a human. So that's the encouraging thing. Is like reminds us we can always be better. We can always better ourselves. The biggest problem is probably like the offense is like a dick measuring contest, and we're just like let's make <laughs> mid range shots. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's well said. Uh, what's the key to the Celtics playing better, you guys? More Rob Williams. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I mean, honestly, it's just consistency. Uh, and I mean, like, the Celtics have still, at the end of the day, the numbers, their numbers are really not that different from what they were last year. Um, and they're losing games. It's just that they, they can't find any semblance of consistency. And uh, that's, you know, that comes with guys you know, knowing their roles and that snapping together. And right now, I think somebody said it earlier, nobody on this team really knows what their role is besides Kyrie Irving. What's the key, guys? I mean, Brad Stevens talked about, uh, he said after last night's game that they're going to be switching up the lineup. This isn't going to be, there won't be probably a set lineup for a long time. So maybe the key is finding that lineup. Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, and Terry Rozier and capturing some of that fire from last year's playoffs playing them together more often. I mean, I don't know what those numbers look like in those lineups, but there's going to be lineup switching for a while, and we've gotten used to this in the Brad Stevens era. The lineups aren't set until this summer. Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, and Jalen Brown. That's a whole lot of ISO ball. Yes, but, I mean, there was a lot of that last year in the playoffs, and they had something. They captured lightning in a bottle, and if they can get a little bit of that going – Maybe that's what they need to get these guys involved. I so think the I, key is to just keep living, survive. You know, um, <laughs> as the season goes on, you know, you're gonna just see guys get better. Like I, I, I think Al Horford is going to be better as the season goes on. Um, you know, we we remember back in 2010 when the guys made it to the finals that year. That regular season wasn't like, oh my yeah. goodness, kind of like a, you know, you kind of float yeah. through. Even though this is those were veterans and these are younger guys, but I say that. They're going to figure things out. It's still really early. And so for me to say, even say these things about guys, like I'm not going to sit here and say Gordon Hayward sucks. I'm going to say so far his season sucks. So, you know, it's just it's just like that. Right now things suck and you just got to figure out who's going to be the best this year. It might not be Gordon Hayward. It might be like a baseball season for here where he hits 250 and he's usually a, a 290 or 300 hitter. But sometimes you have those seasons where you're just not hitting the ball. But in the postseason, can you please hit the ball? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so they just gotta they gotta survive, you know? Yeah, but Hayward's kind of afraid to swing the bat. Right, and that's why he's Kelly Olynyk right now. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well done. So, do you guys do you guys think it's a coincidence though that the game Jalen Brown sits out, Terry Rozier has his best? Ah. Yes. <laughs> I, I I I think there are too many guys probably in the rotation, but there's not really a solution to that, right? I don't fall into that. A lot of people fall into that too many guys thing, and and I've seen it happen where you have a lot of guys, and sometimes it just seems like the coach doesn't know what to do. 
But if we did before, we used to didn't have enough guys, and we complain about that. You know what I'm saying? The, the deal is that we've seen teams that had a lot of guys win, and we've seen teams that had a lot of guys lose. This team just has to figure it out. Once again, guys have to step up and be and perform. I mean, once again, we can't be the worst shooting team in the world and then the best shooting team in the world once we're down by 30. You know what I'm saying? So that, that type of stuff has to stop. Yeah. I think um, I, th- I think in like the first 10 games, the Southerners were playing kind of dumb. The second 10 games, they weren't playing very hard. Um, but I, I think we saw in that, that Pelicans game what happens when, when they play smart and play hard. Okay, uh, next, question number four. Rapid fire, guys, rapid fire. <laughs> Who is your league MVP thus far? Giannis, Greek freak. Shout it out. Is, is it unanimous? I mean, the Bucks have a killer point differential. Yeah. I say Greek freak. I don't know. It's just me. Yeah. You make the case uh, for Steph, but he's Giannis probably fan. missed too many games now at this point. Yeah. I'll say uh, Kawhi Leonard. I'll say uh-huh. him. I mean, they, they got the best record in basketball, and, I mean, he's averaging almost 25 a game. What else can you say? All right. Question. I mean, for me, for me, it's been Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's been the most exciting story of the season. He's definitely been the most exciting story of the season. Sabotage yeah. the team and then goes to Philly and hits game winners. I, I'm going to say Kemba Walker. He's, hey. just, he's making dollar after dollar after every single shot. He's going to make bank. He is stamping his name. It's like the, the anti-Kerry Rozier. Victor he's- Oladipo. Just kidding, Ooh. Kyrie. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie. <laughs> All right, who's your rookie of the year? Everyone's going to say Doncic. Jaron uh, Jackson. I was going to say, I might say Jaron Jackson, actually, but... Doncic rocks. I, I think I think honorable mention to uh, Shea, though. Gildress Alexander. Yes, he, he's, looked really, he's looked really good uh, out for the Clippers. But I think I think it's probably got to be Doncic at this point, though, right? Hey, no bigger, most improved rookie thus far, Colin Sexton. After those disastrous two weeks, he's actually looked pretty nice. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I think, you know, just because this is a Celtics podcast, we shouldn't leave out the fact that Ben Simmons is having an incredible rookie year. <laughs> and yeah. we can't leave out that Robert Williams played the rookie year 35 times and he won it the rookie of the year, like half of them. But this one, he just decided he's just going to take yeah. a secondary role. He doesn't want to make the season about him. And that's where we're at. Doncic's numbers are insane. Um, it's probably yeah. got to be him. I think he's going to cool off from three. He's never shown himself yeah. to be this good of a three-point shooter, um, although I think he has like started to cool off. But he's still amazing. Um, who would you draft first eight. in a redraft? Doncic. Yeah, Doncic. I mean, that was always going to be the uh, – that was that was what I said at the time, and I'm sticking by it. Doncic, number one. Yeah, Luca, But definitely eight and number two, I think. I'll, go, I, I'll still go Triple J, man. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm. I'm yeah, still, fucking, I'm a, dude, he he blocks shots and hits threes. Like I don't know what else you what else you need. I think he's yeah. been a big part of the Grizzlies kind of turning it around a little bit this year. I actually like Wendell Carter better, but mm. yeah, well, out of all three of them, who would win in an alley fight? Right, I'm it's probably Aiton. <laughs> I mean, right? Nah, Doncic. He's been fighting professionally since twelve. Nah, but Did you hear one. He's the unanimous one. Yeah. Did you two. hear Jaron Jackson, dude? He's downloading like freaking fight nights on Xbox, and he's playing, and he's learning, and he's figuring it out. And then he's when the real time comes, he's already he's already figured it out, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jaron Jackson. 
as as number one. I just think that he's. I mean, we knew that he was going to be a beast defensively, but now it's looking like I wasn't sure about his offense coming into the draft. I just had no idea what mm-hmm. to expect, and he clearly gets it. Um, so I, I mean, I just see him as providing so much value on the defensive end, being a plus on the offensive end. I mean, that's like that's like superstar or very close to it. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. he looks like he can't fight. <laughs> you make a good point. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. Uh, all right, 2017, we're all biased. He would probably take Tatum first. He's probably earned it um, up at this point. All right. Hey, you might take Mitchell. I don't okay, know. all right. Yeah. So hey. we'd have Mitchell first or second maybe? Where where does De'Aaron yeah. Fox fit in here? What's your guys' order? Ooh, good question. I think De'Aaron Fox if, – if we're talking about just in terms of impact, I think De'Aaron Fox very well might be the best pro out of all of them. Guards develop slowly and he's – you know, it's really impressive to me to see a guy do what he's doing already a second year on a literally cursed team. Like, the team is cursed, and he is literally single-handedly fighting off a curse. So that's really impressive. I think it's got to be one of those three guys, though, between Tatum. I, I, also, Jason Tatum leading the Celtics in plus-minus still a uh, quarter of the season way into the season, like, substantially. Like, he's, like, plus 90, and Kyrie's, like, plus 60. So yeah, Tatum's, Tatum's been out of his mind the last, like, two yeah. weeks, two, three weeks. <laughs> Yeah, Tatum also leads the team in not making the extra pass. <laughs> <laughs> Measuring contests, guys. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else we're forgetting? Or are those just the, the three studs right now? What Lonzo you're forgetting? Where'd all the Kuzma hype Laurie. go? Yeah. <laughs> he sucks. I mean, Laurie Markkinen hasn't played. Yeah. So. No, the Lonzo stands in here? No? Hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where's my Mark Hell shirt? John Collins, John, same draft, right? John Collins. Yeah, yeah. He's a notch below, but he's a good prospect. <clears throat> Do you guys think? Yo, Ant- I, I, I think though. Um, I mean, I know we're talking about the last two drafts, but with De'Aaron Fox's uh, success, I think you got to really um, acknowledge Buddy Heal because that dude is knocking down jumpers. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So without him, I don't know if they're winning games like this. You know, so I think it's it's they they they're both responsible. I believe. To, by the way, the Kings won their, their, that trade, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's funny, but at the same time, when you think about it, and you think about what Buddy Hill could do coming out of Oklahoma, he was experienced, you know what I'm saying? And he just wasn't in the right situation in New Orleans, you know what I'm saying? He, he was behind people. And, it, mm-hmm. and now he has the opportunity to be the free player that he is, and he's flourishing. And the game is designed for him to flourish. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's never been a better game for shooters as it is right now. So he's just doing what it, it makes sense. I mean, now it's either, he's not the player that DeMarcus Cousins is, you, you would think. But it makes sense. The league is more designed for him to succeed than a DeMarcus Cousins, I think. Yeah. Shocking that he could shoot after he shot, what, like 44% uh, bang, in bang, college bang. On, like, <laughs> on like 10, 11 attempts a game or something like that. All right. Uh, do you think Anthony Davis will be a Celtic? This time next year. No. No. To say that I don't want Anthony Davis to be a Celtic would be like really dumb. But do you think he will be though? It it just seems like it would be too much for him to be a Celtic. Like like we already had an overhaul last year. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like in order for him to be a Celtic, it seems like a lot of people have to go. You know, so I don't know. Like I don't even know if it matters. I, I I don't I don't think they need him. But would they like to have them? Yes. But I'd like to have them with some people. I don't want to be like they're they like they are in New Orleans, you know? Well, hold on. Let's I mean the logic is 
is this, that he doesn't want to stay in New Orleans. He'll reject the Supermax extension, and then New Orleans will have to trade him. And the Celtics have the most assets to give up, and they're willing to do it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think Gordon Hayward would adjust really nicely in New Orleans. <laughs> after Sam, seeing, uh, oh, go ahead, Lucky. After seeing the documents, and uh, I think Smart making Davis is calf's cramp. I think he's he's a Celtic for sure. <laughs> Nobody else saw that. <laughs> no, I know, I I did. I, God damn it, Lucky. <laughs> Sam, Man, was, do you really I not believe? Real take, and now that's just. <laughs> um, no, my, I, I just, I just can't believe that. Like, a, you get your money, Anthony Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like it, the supermax is so much money. I, I can't believe. I, I still can't believe Kawhi like turned it down. You can still get a supermax and then da- demand the money afterward. Uh, honestly, like, I, I just, if I were him, I would, you know, make sure that it works out for him and the Pelicans too. Get the supermax and then make the trade. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just can't believe that Dell Demps or any of these guys are gonna, you know, trade, be the guy who traded Anthony Davis because you're guaranteed fired. Like, that's it. You know what I'm saying? That's this is the best shot New Orleans has had at basketball. You can't be the guy who ends that. You got to go down with the ship. And like, I just can't imagine these guys like making that concession. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna. He's gonna look. We saw how what Tom Thibodeau did with the Jimmy Butler saga. Like when you need to win, when there's a onus on you to win or lose your job, you don't make, you don't plan for the future. It's a it's a giant assumption that he really wants to go. I mean, I remember years ago when Chris Webber was in Sacramento, and everybody was like, "Oh, he ain't staying there." The minute his contract was up the first time, he ain't staying there. He out. He's going to New York. But what did Chris Webber do? He actually stayed in Sacramento and, and came very close to, to making it to a championship. So same thing with Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Anthony Davis. We don't we, we like to assume, oh, he's got to get the heck up out of there because what have they ever done? But he may be cool there. He's king in New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Like he may go somewhere else. He might not be king. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But Chris, Chris Webber's an asshole. I don't know if Anthony Davis <laughs> I just feel like he's uh, dropped hints over the, the past few months, years that uh, he, he he wants to be on a winner. Um, and I mean, I just don't think could you imagine? You get what I'm saying? Part of that's on him. Even though, yes, they do have do they have the best roster ever? No, but part of that's on him. You know, so 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 you can say, oh, I want to be on a winner, but what have you done with what you have? You know, and, and there I mean, have been people there have been people that have done a lot with less. How are we going to top the Joel Embiid offer, though? <laughs> hey, All right, that's a good way to, that's a good way to keep it moving. for an Embiid? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, do you guys think that Anthony Davis is the most promising young player in the NBA? Yes. Well, if, Giannis, if we're not counting Giannis. I am counting Giannis. Yeah, I think he's the, <laughs> I think he's the other choice. I'm yeah, taking Giannis I, personally, but I'll change my yeah, tune when he, he's a Celtic. I just think a wing is a little bit more useful in today's NBA, and I think Giannis has, you know, gone a little bit further. You know what I'm saying? I think Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are pretty comparable running mates, um, and I know that Anthony Davis is out in the West, but I, I don't know. Giannis just I, – I think he's like a little – I would go with Giannis a little bit, but it's a very, very slight edge. It's I mean, not, it's not really even It's not really even that close for me. I mean, Giannis still has the – if he can shoot aspect of his game. Davis is already yeah. there. This is Davis. Yeah. Giannis yeah. still has so much more to go. 
And now he's thick and jacked and dunks on everyone. Even yeah. yeah, I mean, I would, luckily we have the Ojale factor. I think Anthony Davis over Giannis. And it's only because we haven't seen Anthony Davis paired with. A, I mean, you could put a wing that's not as good as Giannis next Darius to Miller. Anthony Davis. You know, no, just anybody who he's had. We've never seen Anthony Davis with an, a two way wing, even like a half decent one. And maybe that's what he needs to have unlocked with him. So. I don't know. I put Anthony Davis over Giannis. Yeah, I mean, when when Etwan Moore is your third banana, they ain't exactly <laughs> giving you much. No. Shout out Etwan Moore. Three cola. Three cola. Yeah, man. Um, my argument's Giannis, and that's just mainly because he's younger. Um, who's been the second best player on the Celtics, assuming Kyrie's Ooh. first? I think I'm gonna go with Tatum, even though I'm not a huge fan of how he's played. I think he's still pretty clearly been the Celtics' best player. It's just been frustrating because he's not. Playing as well as he could be. I'll also vote Tatum. It's Marcus Morris. Ooh, where, all would right. team, where would this team be without Marcus Morris? Marcus <laughs> Smart can't provide that grit when he's chucking up threes and missing. Marcus <laughs> Morris has been by far the second best player on this team. I mean, every every night the guy delivers, man. You know, in in in, in other ways too. Like yes, he's scoring baskets, but he's playing twenty six minutes a night. But he's performing and outperforming people, getting paid way more than him. So yes, guarded Kawhi pretty nicely in that second Toronto game. That's what he does. <laughs> like it shouldn't be a shock, you know. I mean, yeah, he's gonna have nights when he make it. Torched by the best. But he's going to also give the best a lot to deal with. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, Mook Morris. And, and, and I'm a Jason Tatum guy. I'm not too depressed with how he's playing right now. I think it's in vogue to complain about long long twos. Everybody's doing it. But I just think the problem with the mid-range shots is that he probably should be like going to the basket because his arms are like stretch arms. And he can, like, yeah. he now, can I'm not finish really well there. I'm not mad at that. But once again, he's he's in his second year and he's figuring out what more can he do. Like like he, he last year when he started the season out, he was getting these wide open threes and he was like, whoa, I never had this before. Like he's he's doing things and he's playing with people and he's he's in situations he's never been in before and he's still successful. It's not like he's laying an egg out there every single night. Yeah, like I think Mook is the second best player, but really in reality, it's been Jason Tatum. You know, Jason Thank Tatum you. is that guy. <laughs> Jason Tatum's that guy. It's just I'm gonna go with Mook because Mook has just been every single night. He's been who he is, but he's a veteran and he knows what he is. He's been in the game long enough. He's more confident in what he can and cannot do. And that's the best thing about being a great pro is understanding what you can do and what you cannot do, but not being afraid to expand your game in the whole process. So that's what Jason Tatum is doing. And and I think you know, like he's averaging 16 and a half. I mean, that 18 points per game is, is, is realistic. He's got to go crazy, you know, but it's realistic. And I can see him having a really great second half, you know, after having an a, a, a all-star break and going, hmm, you know, th- this is what I've been doing. Maybe this isn't working. Let's go. And I can see this whole thing turning around for him. So, so yeah, Jason Tatum, I don't think – I think people are being a little too hard on him and not being hard on some other people that they maybe should be being hard on, and I'm not going to say any more names ever again. <laughs> Next question. Um, Tara Razier, how much money do you think he gets on the open market? People were talking like twenty million, something in that range before. I, I think I don't think it's that high. I just don't. Uh, I was looking at the back of his head, and something tells me three seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting. 
He's he's getting he's definitely getting north of fifteen million dollars per year though. Like somebody somebody's giving him survey says seventeen. How much does he hurt that though? I I I just think like that there's there's gonna be like there's gonna be teams who are gonna miss on their free agent guys and are gonna you know get go get Terry. I think the worst case scenario for Terry is he might get like the JJ Reddick contract and get like twenty three million for one year for a team that whiffs on a free agent and needs like a stopgap. I've got something on Terry, and I'm gonna say this. Once again, like I said, Jason Tatum can get hot. Same thing with Terry Rozier. This time last year, Terry Rozier was shooting under 40%. He was averaging around eight about eight or nine points per game. He really wasn't looking like the world beater he became. Mm-hmm. And he, he became that world beater with the, more, with the opportunity to showcase his talent. Um, Kyrie got hurt, and boy, did he show, hey, I can play in this league. Was he Kyrie? No. But in his own way, he did things that Kyrie sometimes don't do. We didn't have a lot of point guards torching us when Jay, when Terry Rozier was balling out at the end of the season last year. Let's be real. But and I'm not saying, you know, but you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> Terry Rozier at this point, he's looking like he looked last year and he was in the same predicament coming off the bench and just trying to do the best he could with the minutes that he had. So maybe he's that guy that needs to be the point guard so he can do his thing, not worry about anything else, but just performing Instead of just getting pulled in and out. Okay, we've had decent health with uh, Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart so far this year. I think that it's really early. And like you said, Zaire, Terry Rozier is going to get hot at some point. You know he's going to have one of these like 18-point-per-game months. Only He's going to make his money. I think that he has a slow start. It's going to come right back, and he's going to get paid. This is why I'm not not like – what I saw – what you see from Jalen, it's kind of – justifiable i mean you see it on the court like these roles are not figured out uh, obviously terry wants to be on the floor more especially after the summer he had where he's one of like the most hyped up guys everything with puma and barstool and all this and that terry was everywhere just to be reduced to this bench role which i don't know what is he the ninth man on the team i guess like it's it's tough out there but can we compare Terry's situation to Jalen when Jalen has had the opportunity to perform and Jalen has underperformed? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. I think, like, what you're seeing out of Jalen Brown, I think is what he, he is. I think he's going to have no. some time when he's just balling and he has some time when he's just, mm, I think it's what he is. Like, it's, it's consistent with what we've seen. I think with, with Jalen, I think, yeah, I think he kind of, he's somewhere in between last season's playoff run and this year. He's that 14 point per game guy who has the ability to lock some guys down, defend multiple positions, which is fine. But I don't think Jalen Brown's the franchise guy that people may want to say he is. What's I think the better question might be what Jalen Brown's going to get paid. Max. He'll get Max. that money because of what Big he Max. can do. That, that size and that length allows him to get that money and that potential to make the three-point shot. That, that allows him to get that money. He'll, he'll get the money before Terry. Terry's fighting the uphill battle with the size, with the point that there's a lot of good point guards. So, so you know, Jalen is is more valuable in that way because it's, it's not as many people that can do what he does when he's on as opposed to Terry Rozier. But do you see teams outside of the Celtics viewing Jalen Brown as a max player? I mean, he's got to play better. 
<laughs> That's I mean he, he he can't have regressed from his second year in the league, but I mean we still got another year and a half change essentially before he's uh, becomes a, a free agent. So I mean we'll see, but I mean I think if he gets back to the level he was at last year, um, then I think he's a max player. I think he's more likely than not to exceed that level in his fourth year. Um, I mean I just I just believe in his growth. I believe in his work ethic. Um, I. I, I think that he's in a slump right now. I think that maybe he's not a you know a forty percent shooter that he was last year, but you know I, I think he can shoot the ball. I think that when he has more opportunities, he's a very capable scorer. I, I don't know. I, I believe in him. Um, let's move on though. Uh, a lot of talk on this recently. Is Brad Stevens a good offensive coach? He's a culture I, guy. I thought he was. I thought he was kind of an. I mean, obviously he hasn't had a ton of success, but I thought he was an offensive mastermind no but what would make you think that i brought up the the idea of uh that that they may need an offensive coordinator like an offensive minded assistant coach sort of like tom thibodeau was the defensive coordinator for those doc rivers teams they need something um to have this much talent and not be able to be top 10 in offense is just kind of it's wild to me i'll jump on this first (laughs) i think there's some questions about brad stevens that people are are not asking yet because he's been so successful with with having look you know is brad stevens the right coach for a gang of guys who are super talented and have some alpha personalities is he i don't know like that's a question because he's he's been the great coach for the guys that he had to rally up you know and that's a different predicament and different situation. Is he a good offensive coach? I think his offense definitely allows you the ability to get open looks. The key is, is that these guys have never knocked them down, ever, the whole time. They always miss open shots every year. So that's the key. It, and, and that's not his problem. It's the problem of the guys that you're paying to hit the shots. So, you know, and Marcus Smart isn't helping and Terry Rozier isn't helping and, you know, you could go on and on. So, so yeah, that's been the key. And, and right now, Gordon Hayward isn't helping, you know, so that's been the key is that we've missed the open shots. Evan Turner didn't help. We missed the open shots over and over every single year. And that's the bad thing. But I think uh, fundamentally, everything he does sets his team up in a position to win. It's just you have to go out and execute. I would say no, he's not a great offensive coach just because we've seen zero evidence that he is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, those are the two sides of this coin, you know what I'm saying? Because I, 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 Zaire's absolutely right. I mean, I literally looked at the numbers today. The Celtics are number one. The Celtics are number one in the NBA in open shots, number two in the NBA in wide open shots. Uh, Celtics are number three in open three-pointers, number four in wide open three-pointers. Like, they, the shots are there. The shots are there. The offense is there. But also, to Jonathan's point, Celtics have never been – but it's ever since Isaiah Thomas left, the Celtics have never been a good offensive team. That was the only time the Celtics were a good offensive team during the Brad. But that now, was because of him. It yeah. really wasn't because of everyone else. It was because of him. So once right. again, that, that's that's the thing. That's a player situation. Players control. If you give the players the opportunity to knock down shots, if, you, if you're setting it up so that they can do these things, they got to execute. So you can't blame Brad Stevens for that. That's like saying, oh, guys aren't working hard on defense. He's not a good defensive coach. No, guys aren't working hard on defense. Like, like yeah. that's, the, that's the deal. It's, 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 it's not, you're not paying him to go out and play. You're paying him to set up a strategy. And his strategy, if they're number one and two and three and four in all these open categories, he's doing his job. 
Yeah. And, the, and honestly, the, the second part of that, you know, the sort of the unmarked part of that question is like, does it, you know, does it like really even matter if you're going to be a top three defense in, in the league every year? Um, you know, like, because I, I feel like defense is more of a coaching responsibility than offenses. Offense usually boils down to players more than I, I think defense does. But with defense, you got to teach guys how to talk, um, you know, and, and, and coach them up a little bit more. So, um, but but I'm not sure. You know, I, I think I, I can see both takes, but my own personal take is I think Brad Stevens is a fine offensive coach, probably not great, but fine and definitely serviceable for what the Celtics need him for. Yeah, I get that, and I get that Zaire's like, fire Danny, fire Danny. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I, I love me some Danny Age, man. That's my guy. Oh, he's joking. Um, I, I find it very hard to evaluate coaching. I, 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 like, you look at the Jazz and, like, how sophisticated the stuff they run is, and then you look at, like, the Celtics, they, who pretty much threw away their playbook um, to, to start the year um, and tried to re- rejigger things. And I think they're learning on the fly. And I, I just think it's a, a, a different, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's too early um, to tell him, you know, especially and this team and this team is really tough. Like, believe me, I, I play with them on 2k. I'm going through the same thing. <laughs> I think he's like, he's an overwhelmingly good offensive coach. And I think that a little bit intimidates people. And I think they can point to statistics for 20 games and be like, oh, well, you know, he has talent now. So yeah, he, that means he's bad. But like his only fault is literally he gives players too much latitude. He wants the team to figure it out. He doesn't want to be the dad like yanking out the guy that's not trying too hard. He doesn't want to like yank out Tatum because he takes like a stupid ass shot and it kills the entire offensive like motion. Like, so he he's kind of like, but... he, well, like he doesn't do it as much. Like yeah. he, he definitely like lets them play, and you know because they're all adults there. And I think that's something that, that has to do with his age and how it's so close to the players. And like Stevens has adapted to a lot of different teams, which is like honestly, what else can you use as like a, a barometer of like like intelligence is is adaptability. So I don't know. He sucks though. Because the team's team's twenty third now. So what we're saying offense. is firing. Yeah. Yeah. Just clean house. Up uh, to the ground. You guys think uh, Gordon Hayward will ever get back to his old self? I think I think he will, but that doesn't mean that I'm not completely terrified that he'll never recover and the Celtics will own one of the worst contracts in the NBA. I just think Gordon. I mean, it's we're gonna have to see some real improvement soon because. You have guys on that bench who deserve to play, and I mean, I'm not sure if, if this goes on and on. I'm not sure Gordon Hayward does. I'm not worried whatsoever with the Gordon Hayward issue. I mean, I, I look at it like it could take two years, but I think the third and fourth year of that contract aren't going to be atrocious like, you know, uh, like a John Waller or Blake Griffin. This is going to be something more like Wesley Matthews, where towards the end of this, this guy is going to be really be ingrained into the offense, into the system. And he's going to be able to fit in whether he's not super athletic or whatever he loses. He's just going to know. He seems like a a glue guy fitted in at worst. And, I mean, it might be tough paying that guy 29 mil, but he's going to be be a key cog. I know what you're saying, but if we just throw out the Wes Matthews comparison, that just makes me sad. (laughs) I'm saying that's 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 the the floor. I think that's the floor of Gordon Hayward and his contract is – I mean, I don't know if Wesley Matthews 
just two nights ago against the Celtics was looking pretty good. So I don't know. The Celtics- I, I think if, if if Gordon Hayward is is my guy, let's say two, two three years from now, if this is how Gordon Hayward has been, if he's been a productive thirteen point per game guy who at times we've seen come off the bench at times starts, but has been that fundamentally sound guy who can help make other guys better. I don't need him to be my superstar. Yes, the money says he can be, but the talent around him is so rich that he can be a guy that doesn't take bad shots, helps people get better shots. If he can be that guy, he may have to trans transfer what he used to do. Like guys, Larry Johnson, old school, he had to change his game up. He couldn't be that explosive dude once he had those back injuries. And he had messed around and helped the Knicks go to the championship playing center. And he was six foot seven. You know what I'm saying? Just doing things that he he could he had to switch his game up. So Gordon Hayward, it's hard to to to, to admit to yourself at times when you can't do what you used to do. But the quicker you can admit that to yourself and adjust in being the better player that you are right now than what you used to be. Paul Pierce was a great example of that. Being what you are, being the best of what you are, not what you used to be. I think Gordon Hayward can still be helpful. And I wouldn't mind the salary as long as it's leading to wins. And that's the pessimistic way to look at it. I mean, we fail to talk about the insane upside that Gordon Hayward could have by the end of this year. I mean, this guy was one of the most explosive players in the NBA, and we forget about that. Like, was was. What? Could be. Now he's, and, but he's and, a. And, 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 and you gotta table. you gotta like, think ahead, man. <laughs> I mean, you're very no, much invested I, in the now. It's a good philosophy, I'm, I guess, but I'm not I'm sure. All, I'm all about positivity. I'm all about uplifting, but I'm I'm about positivity and dealing with what you have, and what he has is he's not the guy he was last year. Maybe he, he will be one day. Maybe. But right now he isn't. So let's I mean, let's admit you are what you are right now and be the best of what you are right now and not what you used to be, because what you used to be don't exist anymore. That's 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 the problem with guys like AI, who I love, you know, um, they, they don't age gracefully. They fight against what they are and try to be what they used to be, and it just blows up. And that's what you can't do. Paul, like I said, Paul Pierce mastered that well. He admitted, like, oh, I'm not that 25-point-per-game guy anymore, but I'm still a great basketball mind. I'm still a great basketball player at what I do. And that's what Gordon Hayward, I think, has to become. He's, he's still just a, a few months away from surgery. It's, it's definitely way too soon. Um, <clears throat> are, the, uh, are the Celtics still the team to beat in the East come playoff time? Quick answers. Rapid fire. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Uh, I don't know how you could argue it okay. at this point in the season. But um, what you want to cut me off? Well, rank them. <laughs> rank them. Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston. Uh, Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston. Right now, I, I think it's some tough matchups in the East. Even though people put the East down, I mean, it's still you got some good teams. Like I don't, I don't want to play Indiana. No. I really don't want to play Indiana. But I do not want to play Indiana. All. I don't want to see him. I'd rather play Milwaukee. I don't want to see Indiana at all if I'm the Celtics. Just don't want to see him. I'm going to go Boston 1. I'm going to go Boston 1. I think by the end of the season, we'll see Hey, these guys, they're ready for the playoffs. They might not have the number one seat, but we'll feel confident in what they are because we got some veterans that can lead. And um, so, yeah, I'll go Boston. I'll go uh, Toronto, Philly. No, Toronto, Milwaukee, then Philly. I, I just think something's going to go wrong in Philly. I think something <laughs> is just bound to happen in Philly where it's like, mm, we should have I hear it's been going wrong all summer. <laughs> all year, ever since. Ever, I mean, 
Even before, let's let's start with the Fultz Tatum deal. I mean, everything that's happened with the Colangelo stuff, the Fultz stuff. Zaire Smith can't even have sesame seeds. He's ruined his season. Oh, man. <laughs> this, everything's gone wrong. Any contrarian take on the rankings we've heard? Uh, Orlando, if they're playing against <laughs> Boston in a seven-game series, I would be extremely nervous. Boston has Charlie. to have all home games, though. I, I don't think they're going to get up to some of the levels of the other teams, but I really wouldn't be surprised to see Charlotte be a late riser. I mean, they've got an outrageous point differential for like the fifth year in a row. Like they're playing way above what their record is, and they're they've been a pretty good team. So I think they're, I think they're, I think they're going to be one of the the top six seeds in the East. But I really think that I think the Celtics are going to solve it. But I just I think the damage is done at this point. It's going to be tough to catch Toronto unless they really, you know, kind of fall apart here. You know, I cut. This may sound crazy, but just in the back of your mind, watch out for the Wizards. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> that boy. is a contrarian take. That's a take. <laughs> I um, put my teeth on, uh, my teeth on rankings, and uh, the right ranking is Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee, probably uh, Charlotte, Indiana, then Philly. Damn. Hating on those Jimmy Butler game winners. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> Will KD leave? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll give him 50-50. Clippers. I, I, I seriously hope he leaves. Um, he's leaving. Why? I don't know. I just think he's gone. What people think. And when he didn't get validation for winning the championship, he's going to look elsewhere. He's going to be a nomad going from team to team trying to find happiness. <laughs> <laughs> what pisses you guys that's off? That's like not a joke. That's a real. That's really what's gonna happen. <laughs> question, question eighteen. What pisses you off? Goes to the the Mexico City team. I'm pissed off that Demontis Sabonis does not get the respect he deserves. That he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't start. That Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan is still holding that Seattle SuperSonic Portland Trailblazer grudge because his daddy played for the Blazers. I, I, I think. You know, I think I'm a little. I'm a little angry about that. You know what I'm saying? Because this guy right here is the best pick and pop center in basketball. Bar none, hands down, Demontis Sabonis. Bring him to the Celtics. You can keep Anthony Davis and his big money. I want Demontis Sabonis <laughs> to replace Al Horford as my center. When Al Horford's done, he can just pass the baton, just like, <laughs> the, great, like the great Robert Parrish did to A.C. Earl. Pass the baton to Demontis Sabonis, son of basketball royalty. Hey, Two guys who uh, both posterized Joel Embiid. Zaire, uh, I, I, I'm angry too, but uh, uh, DeMontis Bonus, or whatever you say his first name, where would you put him in the redraft of that class? Man, I wanted the Celtics to get him. I was so, I was so angry. I was like, man, this dude's going to play. He's going to be a player, man. He just needs, he needs a place where he can thrive. And, and, and imagine if he was in this system with these guys. You know what I'm saying? You would have a real center, not, not, not to knock Al Horford, you know what I'm saying? Because Al Horford is great. But what I'm saying is you would have another guy. Al Horford could be your four, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could be your four. And I like Aaron Baines, but Aaron Baines ain't Devonta Sabonis, man. Devonta Sabonis is special. And the, the guy's shooting, he's shooting darn near 70%. And he's ain't all layups, friend. No. Yeah, he's had an amazing start to the season. Yeah, I'm all aboard the uh, Sabonis train. Um, Sam Sheehan, what pisses you off? 
Brad Stevens, play Time Lord. Lucky's Pipe, what pisses you off? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Efren, what pisses you off? Nothing. Too about that. But Zaire got me going. <laughs> um, no, I'm with Zaire. Demonis Abortus not being on the Celtics pisses me off. That's what I need. Should have drafted Demonis Abortus over Jalen Brown in that draft third overall. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, the dude, the dude only averages 24 minutes a game, man. He doesn't, he doesn't play a lot. You know, it's oh, a lot so of time want, to sit on the bench. You want a, you want a mad, uh, we, I wish I draft that person. It's Madrid's Harrow, man. That, that, we were like actually a couple spots from maybe that, one spot. I prefer, I prefer RJ Hunter. Didn't, <laughs> didn't Harrow go second round and we drafted uh, RJ in the late first? Yeah. Yeah, could have had him. Probably. I, I, I wanted him too because I like Louisville, so I was I was down with him too. But you know, hey. <laughs> um, Angela Nagel pisses me off. Uh, I wanted Bobby Porter. <laughs> I'm very not online here. about her. Uh, Red scare. <laughs> many many other things. All right, uh, who's? I'm well, pissed off. Blue Blue Chew. I won't won't go down. Please send it. <laughs> I'm pissed off my bio milk went bad when it got to my door. I opened the box up. My bio milk was lumpy and it went down hard. And I didn't feel biologically stronger. As a matter of fact, I felt biologically weaker. And uh, I'm thinking about sending my bio milk back. I'm having second thoughts about them being a sponsor of this podcast. You know, Matt, can you call? Can, can we get a response? Uh, Stoner Nate and Creative Danny. This is what happens Lackey with pyramid Danny. schemes. Every time, every time it, every time the pyramid splits, it's, the expiration date gets closer. What's been overlooked this season with the NBA or the Celtics? I don't know. I just I was running out of uh, <laughs> What's time. What's been overlooked? <laughs> How bad Daniel Tice's haircut actually is? <laughs> Questionable awareness. He kind of looks like a word that rhymes with Yahtzee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, that's why Brad didn't play him. That's not his fault, man. That's not his fault. If, if those playing. people if those people were good people, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't be complaining, right? It, it's <laughs> the Nazis were good people. But because they're bad people, we complain no. about their haircut. No, you know, I'm, 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 come on, it's Shade. Jay Crowder nailed it. I would say you're on this. You know, uh, the the Nazis, the Nazis have got to become better people so Daniel Tice can, can wear. That, this is true. Matt, you just said, Matt, you just said they, Slim Shady. He's fucking German. And they have to stop taking the all the haircuts. <laughs> they're like literally, how many different haircuts are we like associating with? Like, come on, like oh, leave some haircuts to Jerry's other people. Head. You gotta have a look. All right. Um, last question. <laughs> question number twenty. We've made it, guys. Will yeah. Robert Williams ever miss? No. Mm. The only when thing he'll miss to. is a flight. Uh, <laughs> That's mean. If you um, have, when you when you control space and time, you can do things over and over again to ensure a perfect outcome. Like you guys have seen Groundhog Day, right? That's how that's how Robert Williams lives every day over and over again until he gets it absolutely perfect. Yeah, he'll choose have, when he wants to miss, and can you'll we have know like an when actual, he does. Um, why the hell did Brad Stevens? I think it was like the second or third quarter. Throw Yabu in the game instead of Rob Williams. 
What message does that send? It's not great. <laughs> Every single time he's out there, he does something. He, he, he gets a rebound effortlessly. He blocks a shot effortlessly. He dunks the ball. He makes a heady pass. You know, he off an offensive rebound. He he does something every time. We need packs a Millsap for no reason. No, he did that too, but that's okay. <laughs> maybe maybe that Yabu thing was just really like a reward. Maybe he's working hard in practice. Also, maybe it's just the point of yo, I need to give you an opportunity to show what you can do, yeah. if anything. You know, and so here it is. Here's your shot. Just like Shimmy got his shot last year. You know, in the playoffs especially, he's like, show me what you can do. Some people go out there and get killed. Some people don't. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it on this edition of, I almost said Celtics Roundtable, uh, the ATO show. Nah. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry we missed uh, last week. It uh, just didn't come together. But uh, we have something special. Or Sam Sheehan in particular has something special planned for next week. We won't spoil it just yet. Uh, but uh, you're definitely going to want to tune in. Uh, that was Zaire, Sam Sheehan, Efren Ramos, Lucky's Pipe, my brother Jonathan, I'm Matt Ignall. Uh, thanks for sticking with us thus far. Help spread the word. Tweet us. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your parents. Um, End the show. Don't buy bio milk. End the show. All right. Yeah, <laughs> bang, do, bang, don't bang. Listen, don't listen to Nate Duncan when he tries yeah. milk is bad. Leave a rating about the last time that you were stuck in a car and you couldn't find a bathroom, and then you had to pull over and you had to go through the woods, like just stuff like that, off the cuff, random. Thanks. Yeah, tell us your weird bathroom stories <laughs> in the ratings. <laughs> please do iTunes bathroom stories, please only. That'll do it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. If they were replacing their long twos for more threes, it would look better. We play for keeps. I cannot lose. I like I'm Clyde. Glide in the shoes. Watching the wrist. Clocking the moves. She in position. Apply when she choose. I get shit done. Make it do what it do. Since I was young, knew I am the truth. Daily news like a highly recruit. Long time like long overdue. I lost my scully for five. Bills, five years probation, they cut me a deal. Almost did fed sound like five in the pen. If I played it smart, I had 52 M's, 52 BMs, and 52 DMs. 52, 52 M's, 120 and an Audi. Yeah, in and out, we out it. Uh, might take her to Noble. Just say you don't know.